Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. I'm Kristen Starr, and with me tonight I have Jimmy. Hello. And something of a prodigal son returns. We also have Jens on the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, Jens. Thank you. Did you miss me? No. Yeah, we did. (laughs) One (laughs) out of two. I'll take it. This episode is number eight, and uh, it will be a hobby episode with listener questions. But first, we're going to have a little bit of hobby chat. And since Jens haven't been on for long, well, Jens, have you done any hobby? Oh, yes, I have. I did post a picture of my Knights of the White Wolf on the Facebook page. And they look lovely. Yeah, red uh, barding on the steeds and uh, red uh, hafts on the hammers. So they look properly old school. Then I've done 15 tutoring guard, based and done. A great cannon, 10 handgunners, a warrior priest, and 20 swordsmen. And I think I did the 20 swordsmen when I was on last time. Well, you've been working on them at least. That's what I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got basically all I need for uh, 1,000 points force now. Nice. Yeah, I'm just going to do some more tutoring guards and then do the boring stuff and paint more swordsmen or spearmen or whatever I choose to do. We'll see. Boring core units. Core units are the fun stuff. <laughs> Look at me. No. Yeah. I pretty much only use core <laughs> unit stuff. And how's that working out for you? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, how's that progress on your 200 goblins? Well, uh, I recently glued and based 100 goblins, and uh, yesterday I sprayed them black. Basically done. Yeah, exactly. So this weekend I'm at least going to do the robes and start painting on the skin on everyone. That'll keep you busy. Yeah, sure will. I also have visitors during the weekend, so I might ask for some help. Yeah, yeah, they can help you paint. Yeah. You mean you're going to press gang people? Yeah. Everyone else at home is a git, and gits are below me. I'm the boss, so I decide what's going to happen here. So my friend who's visiting this weekend is going to help me paint. <laughs> that's good. Be firm. That's, uh, that's the most important part. Yeah. He's also a hobbyist, so he, he actually knows how to paint. It'll be something. That's good. That's always a benefit. Yeah, sure is. Other than building the goblins, I haven't done much. Just painting more goblins and more goblins and uh, planning on the unit fillers. Yeah, and I've been digging around for some stuff to to trade with you also, Chris. That counts as as hobby progress. Yeah, but not what you're getting for in the trade. That's not hobby progress for this game, at least. No, 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 no. That's something completely different. Yeah, but it uh, could be a really advanced team tank, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, you could call it that. Maybe I'll convert it. <laughs> Just put the engineer head hooking up on a triple-barreled uh, pistol. Yeah, and maybe replace the main gun and put in a cannon instead, like a great cannon. Yeah, why not? Big barrels, love that. Well, that's at least uh, some progress from you guys. And if uh, basically counting buying stuff as progress, because I bought new paint racks and I'm ordering spearmen. I've also been working on a slightly overworked base for my bolt rovers. Yeah, I've seen that. That looked cool. Yeah, it's a lovely base. I love how it turns back and forth. 
I really felt like it should swivel a bit because they're quite annoying to move, I think, on the battlefield. Yeah. And it will look good because I'm planning to, when I eventually make some kind of display board for them, they will have uh, like an emplacement point for them. Nice. So if people go like, this is impractical, you can be like, shut up, Phil, it looks cool. (laughs) Yeah. Look, swivel, swivel, swivel. So we don't really have any news this week because this goes out after the mage order is finished. Yeah. Hmm. Could mention that an old worlder is going to the Age of Sigmar world, or yeah, we could mention that he's got the voice of a god. Yeah, and for those who listens, we're talking about the return of Godric Gurnison, who returns to the new world in Age of Sigmar. I did listen to the book. I liked it because I like parts of this new world, but I mostly loved how Godric was displayed in the book. And uh, the voice is of uh, Brian Blessed, and he does a really, really, really good job on Gotrek. So he does justice on him. He basically looks like a tall Gotrek. Yeah, he sure does. And as you, as usually, Gotrek is as badass as he has always been, except in a grander scale. He is looking for Felix. This is the thing. He he yep. he want to meet up with Sigmar and make sure Felix is a Stormcast Eternal. And there are some ah. clues that he might be. Ooh. Yeah. But there are also clues about some <laughs> gray-robed rat man who might have survived. <laughs> mm. yeah. Just some clues. Why not? Yeah. It's not like they're sell- still selling the model named Thanquel on Bone Ripper or something. <laughs> uh, which is a gorgeous model in yeah. basically all of the incarnations of the character as well. Yeah. But the latest one is just fantastic. Yeah, pretty cool. So that's pretty much the news we have, I think. Yeah, I yeah. need to uh, get my hands on that book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also released the Warhammer of Fantasy role-playing book, 4th edition. It's a nice book. Mm-hmm. And there's expansions coming soon as well. Yeah. So they're going to keep it alive. Yeah. I bought the uh, book recently, and I haven't got the physical copy yet, but I did get the PDF version. That's also a nice touch that they sent out a PDF if you bought the physical version. Yeah. Because I've seen instances where when do you basically have to choose if you want the physical or the PDF. You don't get both. Yeah. Yeah. And they did, uh, they did that with the beta version of the rules as well, I think. They sent out... Uh, yeah, I think so. For people to playtest the, later, the last incarnation of it before it went to print. Yeah. But for more on new Warhammer Fantasy role-playing game, you should check out the Old World Podcast, which is the fourth edition fantasy podcast. The World Podcast have lately been doing a full rundown on the core rules and the changes from the previous editions. Like all of the editions? Well, they they started the podcast before 4th edition was released, but when it was announced. So they went through a bit of the previous editions, they went through lore, they went through magic and the history of the Old World. And they're also currently running, like alternate episodes are their campaign and alternate are rules and Ooh. questions. Nice. So it's, yeah, it's quite a nice listen. So just before we move on to this, I'm going to mention that uh, some of the questions have been asked, answered in a previous recording with me, me and Niklas. So they're going to be spliced in here. So if there is a bit of an inconsistency for your listeners, it is because they're recorded at two different times. So on to a little hobby and Q&A. The first one that I'm going to answer is from Christopher. Not that one. Would you mind uh, reading it up? 
I was thinking about painting ideas as I was working on some Empire Knights yesterday. So I'm really good at painting Space Marine armor and tanks. I have a ton of tricks and techniques to speed up the process and make them look great, but I don't really have those tools for a few of the things that we have in fantasy that we don't really see in the 30k or 40k universe as much. So, any ideas on painting animals, horses in particular, especially that satin coat they have when you look at pictures of them? Painting realistic hair and beards or the, and the different texture and shading of cloth versus power armor. That's the yeah. question. So this like hits home with us since we all play 30k as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it is a big difference because in 30k you have a lot of lots of metals, of course, but also lots of colors that are supposed to be like on top of metals. So then you do like a bunch of weathering and mm -hmm. battle damage to those areas. This is not as common in uh, fantasy. I mean, you, you can do it, of course, uh, but it's more uh, clear metal arm, clear colors like cloth and stuff like that. And uh, what I've noticed in fantasy is that like using basic techniques just works really well. You don't really have to do any like crazy weathering like you have to do in 30k. Because I found that when you're just painting like basic ways in 30k, it can look kind of flat because you have like a marine, for example, there's a lot of like single color on his armor and then you have some trim and then you gotta like make ways to, to make it interesting. While in fantasy, like the models themselves are very interesting because there's a lot of different colors and different materials. Like you have lots of skin and cloth and armor so you have like a, a good mix of, of these colors yeah and as if you look at a, a general space paint model it doesn't have that much more detail than maybe a belt and a lot of rounded armor yeah and some some sharp edges on the shoulder pads whereas a fantasy miniature can have sculpted pockets and pouches and basically stuff they've picked up from the ground that oh this might be come in handy sometime i'm gonna put it in my belt and then you're walking you just take like my kiss of riders uh, versus like a space marine biker space marine biker is basically like if you look at it of course there are more colors but if you look at it there's like three colors the base color let's say red the trim is gold and then you have like a detail color which may be green or something and that's like the main thing you see but if you look at a kiss of rider you like you have the horse which is like three colors the base color the mane and the saddle for strappings and then you have the rider which is just crazy amount of stuff black boots red pants chain mail leopard coat feather banner metal armor skin the lance is brown there's just so much going on so you don't really have to have crazy techniques to make a, a model stand out it's just sticking to principles that work so like when I'm painting my stuff, I always think you start like a base color and then always use three colors for one color, so to speak. So if you have a red, you start with like a, I start with a dark red and then I wash it then I highlight with a brighter red and that's it. And then you just do that for like all the, the colors. Like, of course, there are some stuff that it's just too small to be able to do that. Like you, you can't highlight everything. Kind of sticking to that, like three color principle, base color, wash and highlight, doing that all over went into doing with Kislev and it's worked out really well. They're painted pretty basically, but I just take the time to paint in this way and it works really well. And he also said like any ideas on painting animals, horses in particular, this is just the way I painted my horses. But also trying to stick to very earthy colors, kind of toned down, browns and grays and different shades of brown and beige, stuff like that. <laughs> I've been pretty liberal with the, uh, the Devlin, no, no, it's not called Devlin Mud anymore. Agrax Earthshade. Yeah, that's the one. So I've been pretty liberal with that one. And also, like, when I'm highlighting the horses, just outlining the tops of the muscles, I tend to use just the same color as I used for the base, just to don't make it, like, stick out too much. Yeah, I've been thinking about, like, the kind of sheen that you see from horses. 
think it's kind of hard to make. You would be drawn to do like a satin wash, but then they would just look like glass horses or something. So I think it's like doing them pretty matte works the best. Just doing some low-key highlights. Also, this, these are like the first horses that I painted. I think they turn out pretty well. And I've been painting them very basically. Be consistent about it. Paint them kind of toned down. And they'll look good. Have you started with your dark riders? No. I had some that were, weren't painted. So I decided to strip the old ones because they wouldn't match at all. Partly because I'm going for a new paint scheme. And because those were painted in 2004. <laughs> so they were sh shipped everywhere and uh, on the metal minis riders and the fact that they were painted in 2004 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i've been uh, thinking about because uh, i get, i'm gonna paint a, a black horse and i've been kind of scared of painting either black horses or white horses because they're just hard to to do shades and highlights and stuff with yeah but the trick to painting black is not painting the entire model black yeah i think i'm gonna go for like a, a german gray and then wash it down maybe use black in the recesses and highlight German gray again. That's also the problem. You don't want him to turn dark gray too much. You don't want him to look, oh, that, that horse is gray and it's not black. Well, it's going to be a bit half-remembered. You know how it is in the back of the head. But the eye sees something as black as long as a certain percentage of the model is black. Brain recognizes it as black. Obviously, if it's too great of a difference, it will look wrong. You can uh, always do, depending on the color scheme and the lighting of your models and stuff like that you, you could uh, change the tone on the black to a blue or a green or a red or whatever color you want just a little just to make the black work yeah that's true i also gotta say that on our instagram i actually posted like how to paint horses a while back so you scroll through there and you'll see some like a horse tutorial i think i did the like a, a brown one i think that that, was, that one is my favorite way of painting them turns out really nice start with like a beige bottom and then a flat earth on top and then kind of paint half of the stuff that you painted beige and also brown and then you kind of wash it together and then you highlight turn out really nice i think did you but have a lot of uh, horse pictures of, of as reference when you painted them <laughs> yes i i did have some pictures of horses actually my girlfriend had this, this horse calendar <laughs> <laughs> i was looking at but it, it like it's a lot easier painting horses than you would. that's also a good advice i think that Basically, no horse looks like the horse next to it in real life. Yeah, that is true. I also used to like some uh, brush splatter, you know, like when you just flick the brush with your finger and paint goes everywhere, but hopefully some of it splashes onto your horse. That has some <laughs> nice effects. Yeah, yeah, it makes it look a bit textured or spotted and that makes it look more real. And that's the yeah. same with, because uh, he asked for shading of cloth. And that's a technique you could do for cloth as well, or blending. Blending cloth takes time, but it looks really good. Yeah, I think you would be the cloth expert. I used to paint like this three color way and it's basic, but it works mostly. It's not it very, forever. yeah, <laughs> it's not very advanced. But I mean, there's usually so many colors on a fantasy miniature that you don't really, you don't spend a lot of time looking at one color. Like if they have cloaks, then I think it would be wise to do it in more detail maybe. Another thing is, there's a method that doesn't really work to the best of its ability in uh, painting power armors, similar, but dry brushing works a lot better in fantasies and fantasy setting. Yeah, yeah, it does definitely, especially for shade mail. Yeah, especially for metal miniatures as well. Oh, I love painting metal. Got a different touch to the brush somehow. All those hard edges. Yeah, but that's uh, it's basically the same techniques, isn't it? 
that's painting a heresy miniature or a 40k miniature. You just have to adapt it to the figure you're painting. Yeah, I think it's just easier because you don't have to be so advanced in what you're painting because there is so so much to paint. So you don't have to make a certain color pop as much because the miniature itself will pop. You don't have to go so crazy with weathering to make that red look good. And you could add a small dusting of something that looks like the dust of the base your the miniature is walking on. If you have a dry base, just add it to the bot bottom of the robes or armor or boots or whatever to just make them blend into the base as well. Yeah, definitely. So that was Christopher, not this Christopher, another Christopher. And then I thought I would answer one other question. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Victor Hobby, skin, talents, and David at uh, Movement Trays. What's your best hack for doing your own Movement Trays? Built versus bought, plain versus detailed, magnetized versus non-magnetized. I got some movement trays recently. First, I bought like the old Ultra ones, the, the bright green ones, uh, which are really nice. But they only kind of work for the specific number of models fit on a tray, uh, which is not always what you want. Like you can't fit five cavalry guys next to each other on those bases. And you can't fit two ranks of four on the big ones. Pretty limited in what you can use them for. They're perfect for five by four blocks of infantry and 20 mil bases. So that's probably what I'm gonna use it for in the future. But I bought some movement trays a while back, some uh, laser cut MDF ones. And I was pretty happy with them. When I looked at them first, I saw that like, they're not the exact set size for what you order. And you, you can order like different sizes, but there's like some space between. And I was like, oh shit, what is this? And then I kind of realized that it's mostly because Games Workshop bases aren't exactly 25 millimeter. They're a bit smaller thing, so there's a bit of space. But after using them, it doesn't really matter. I'm really happy with them. It doesn't as... really matter because you can still measure from the bases if you need to. Yeah, it was just like the look of it, I guess. I wanted them to touch the edges. Yeah. So I bought those and they were like wooden color. So I spray painted them black and then I airbrushed them Tamiya Flat Earth, which is a very matte, kind of gray-brown. Like, you don't think of the color. It's a very neutral color. Yeah, I just put my guys on it, and they're snow-based. I didn't really want to base the movement trace because uh, I might use them for something else later, and then I don't want to be specifically themed. And also because maybe I'll base them. We'll see. But, like, so far, they looked really good, just being Flat Earth. I would not like to build my own movement trace. The money I spend on these are well worth the time it would take to plan and build those movement trays and maybe they will like fall apart a little bit if I used the wrong material and that would just be a huge pain in that. Pay this money now and be done with it. So I also bought some more of them since now I magnetized my guys for my new carrier case. Oh, I didn't talk about that though. I bought this metal toolbox and then magnetized my army so that they will sit comfortably in this toolbox. But since doing that, I ordered some magnetized uh, movement trays just today actually so hopefully they'll be here soon so i i ordered these from frontier wargaming they're based in latvia i think maybe i'm saying the wrong baltic country right now i always get them mixed up so i ordered those because i was really happy with these ones and they were like the cheapest one they were also custom so yeah really excited for to get those magnetized bases home try them out yeah the second question is planning building movement trace method and materials I haven't really done this. I wouldn't like to do this. I think it's just easier to buy them. And it's, it's not expensive enough for me to go out and do it myself. And then the third question, any thoughts on demon bases changeable between square and round ones? 
So I've actually seen some people doing this online because there are movement trays that have like round slots. I think Mantic has some and the ones for the new A Song of Ice and Fire game has. And if you want the minis themselves to be changeable, you should probably put a magnet in the base and a magnet in the mini and then just pop them off. Sounds like a huge pain in the ass though. Yeah, it really is. Because you basically, if you have a metal mini, you should probably remove the tab, then file the the, the feet flat, drill into the feet, put a magnet in there, and then realize that the magnet that you can fit in the feet are probably not strong enough. <laughs> if it's a magnet, if metal mini, because it will fall over. Yeah, no thanks. So then, then it might just be easier to do like use a movement tray and uh, adapt it to accept the uh, round bases that would fit. So it would technically be a square, large square base, but the minis themselves will have still have their round bases, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the one I've seen. Yeah, I saw some pictures on Instagram. I can't remember who posted them. But that seems like a clever way of doing it. And it works fine. Uh, I would still think of the round base when I was playing it. feel like a bit weird. But then again, they are demons. And they don't really belong in that world. Or another one would be if you have those that are like supposed to be like skirmish units in fantasy. Maybe yeah. get a disc the size of the bottom of a round base and magnetize that to a square base. So the square base is on top of it. It will work, but it won't look the best it could, I think. I'm not really sure if I follow you here. For, for skirmishers or what? Yeah, for everything that if you have square-based models and you want to use them with round-based models, round bases later. Oh, yeah. You basically take uh, like a disc the size of, uh, well, if it is a 30 millimeter base, you take a yeah. size over the top. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess, so if you had already based your demons on square bases, yeah. you want to use them with round. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Then we have a suggestion that works in both ways. Either if you have round bases, get a large movement tray that's accept round bases to go to square base for all of them, yeah. or make a disc adaption. The easiest way would be round bases on movement trays that accept yeah. round ones. Or if you're using plastic models, they would probably be possible to magnetize uh, yeah. to switch between bases. Also, you're thinking like the bigger ones, like the greater demons, if you have those on round bases. That would be trickier, but not at all impossible. Because then you could use the, the solution you mentioned. Is like magnetizing yeah. them to a square base. Or if you... just got to theme the base a bit. Maybe put some gravel on it. Or depending how intricate you want the round bases to be, you could mark off where the square bases would be in the texture of the base. Or if it's on uh, some kind of marbles floor or rock formation or forest floor and just put thematically... Not just make a square around the mini, obviously, but just mark out... A, approximately where it would be for gaming purposes there are more than one way to do it but most of them just will just look a bit off no matter what how much work you put into them i think should use all square base so listen here uh, those are the two questions that i'm gonna discuss with christopher here because uh, there are some questions that the other guys will record tomorrow Q jingle dun, 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 dun. Uh, let's see, what questions did we have? Well, we're going to start off with a question from someone named Robert. And that is, I recently got back into Warhammer and have decided one of my hobby goals is to collect all the core rule books and army books. Which edition did they introduce separate army books separate from the core rule books? Fourth edition. Yeah. Fourth edition is the first edition where they split up the army building part of the rule book into army books. Is that when they released the uh, Ravening Hordes uh, booklet? Yeah, one of them. Yeah, because I have one of them, but I think that's the newer one. Is it some goblins on the front page? 
Yeah, some night goblins yeah, and uh, that is the uh, sixth edition revenant hordes that they released prior to the release of the sixth edition rulebook. Good to know. And that was also the only source for Chaos Dwarf rules until the Tamarcan book was released. Yeah, unless of course you like to play the net version that the fan base made. Mm. Yeah, but the Tamarcan book is beautiful. Oh yeah, sure is. I think Nicholas has mine. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> It's just been, he had a, well, he has a little project going after all. Yeah, it makes more, uh, it's more use uh, to him than it is to me. So second question is, uh, now we're moving on to Instagram questions. We're going to use their handles. So that is Plant of the Eighth asks, how do you keep from getting burned out on painting, especially when painting rank and file? How much time dash effort should you spend painting rank and file? I'm going to grab that one. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. Well, first I decide on the paint scheme, what colors I want to paint. And uh, then I do a test model. And I ask myself, how can I dump this down with fewer steps? And once that's decided, I try to find something to have in the background, some audible thing, like a movie, a good soundtrack, some series, an audiobook or drama, whatever floats your boat. And then I use this to keep myself sane while I batch paint miniatures. So batch painting is my secret. And I either paint batches of five or 10 models, depending on how big the unit is. While I'm painting night goblins, I always do batches of 10 models. Yeah, and it depends. I find that it depends on how many colors you usually have to use when you batch paint them. Yeah. If you're using a low number of colors, you can do 10. If you're doing a lot of different colors, do five. Yeah. And uh, I also try to keep my rank and file guys rather simple, but still above tabletop standard. So this also depends on what kind of models I'm painting. So if I'm painting a Chaos Warrior, I will use more steps and I will put down more time on it. But now as I'm painting like Skaven or currently as I am doing Goblins, I want them rather simple. So I I try to use three paints per color I'm doing. So like a base, shade and a highlight. That's my way. Batch painting, lots yeah, of I'm, models. I'm doing uh, something similar, but I don't usually batch paint as big of units as you do. But I usually do them five or ten at a time, depending on what kind of colors I'm going to use. And I always decide beforehand on the minimum amount of colors that I can get away with using. And then I usually end up using twice the amount paints. But just decide beforehand how many you're going to do, what colors you're going to use, and then just do all the steps on those five guys before you go into the next five. And that usually, yeah, that usually gets you through at least 20. And when you've done 20, you can do 20 more in a week or so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris, how are you batch painting? Well, given that, that I can Given that attempt to do blending on basically every miniature I can get my hands on, it uh, might take a little bit longer than what is necessarily yeah. practical for an army project if you want to do hordes of uh, batch painting. But uh, It's a good thing to use on skirmish project. Hint, 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 hint. Yeah, that's why I'm, that's another little rat I did for the first rat yeah. that's finished. There are more on the way, I've just not posted them. Oh, yeah. But that one, that one took quite a lot more hours than it probably should, but for more than one reason. I think we answered this question. So to summarize, put on a movie or music or something, organize your steps and don't paint every miniature for about eight hours, even if you don't need to. The amount of time I tried to never spend more than an hour per model. Well, in, in, in this case, when I'm painting rank and filers, I think I put down about 
30 to 40 minutes a piece with all the steps on the models. That sounds reasonable. Are you following those hint and tricks they had in uh, White Dwarf once? That you painted no, the first I'm not. Full or... No, no. I, I did once on my former Savage Orc army. I just couldn't go through with it. I had to paint every model. I really had to. <laughs> so, so what we're talking about is basically painting the front rank 100% and then 75% and then 50% of the model going backwards. And the models in the, in, in the two back rows are like from shoulder and up. Other, otherwise, it's just yeah. base paints and shade. Hmm. Which is fully a valid tactic if we paint lots, but that's up to personal preference, I think. Yeah. So on to a little somewhat related question by... Doug Curl, what are your thoughts on using filler for big block infantry? A small terrain piece of something to take up space so you don't need 80 infantry in a block? Well, I'm going to start there too. Me, I like a good unit filler, but they really need to, in my opinion, give the unit some life. Example of this are small dioramas as fillers. I have like in my Skaven army, I have a Skaven throwing a poison wind globe into a well. And uh, other good examples could be if, like, you're doing a Vampire Counts army, a mausoleum, or grave sites are superb unit fillers. Or if you're doing a Wood Elf army or a Goblin Spider Rider army, trees would be really fitting. Dwarf, Skaven, and Night Goblin armies with a subterranean feel and theme to them would look really great with rock pillars and such, like uh, stalagmites sticking up from the ground. Sometimes a filler could be something as simple as an ogre man-eater dressed and armed like the fellow warriors they tag along with. So if you if you have an, an, a man-eater along with Empire Spearmen, just give him a spear and feed him up like the rest of the, of the guys with clothes and so on. I've done that. Nice. you got to show me. Yeah, yeah well, I'll uh, paint the guys up and I'll show you, but I've done exactly that. That's a good idea. As long as you don't ta- build a filler that takes away from the functionality of the unit, so you don't put like a tree that's 10 inches tall in the middle of a unit or something. Yeah, and I think if you... Now I've been lazy and done a unit filler for a 20-man unit, but I think you should really avoid using unit fillers in units below 20 or 30 guys. If if you're using 100 or 80 Night Goblins, then uh, by all means, fill it out with a bit to make it a bit more alive. Yeah, and sometimes, I'm going to add, just like for a Night Goblin Armix, for example, you can use trolls for unit fillers, or if you put... Yeah, or if you play uh, Chaos, throw in a Chaos monster or something into the unit with monster handlers, or just do this uh, ogre man-eater thing with a Chaos ogre in the midst. Or a giant. Mm. But that would look weird. That might be a bit too big. It it would look cool, but it would be weird for gaming purposes. Yeah, that's the same with having a large tree or something. Yeah. Well, it's not just that it might be look weird. Why they are having a giant with them? It could also interfere because it can, even though it doesn't, shouldn't really block line of sight. It could interfere with measuring and actually seeing what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And it, if you put the night coming on top, it's really modeling to advantage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Good thing to think about that. A unit filler is okay, but it has to look the part, not just a patch of grass. Exactly. I did see a unit filler once. It was just a pillar. It was like, why is there just a pillar in the midst of the unit there was no other kind of things from from a ruin or something it was just just a single pillar taking up four spots in a unit hmm. <laughs> i was like why this makes no sense <laughs> I would if there were more that. ruins in the whole unit it would look yeah. amazing but it's just a single pillar 
this is something that you could uh, do with matching the unit filler in one unit with the basing scheme, so it blends in into the entire army as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, so with ruins. I have seen other really bad unit fillers, like just a big stone, a big rock, and like one one guy standing on top, and then and th- this rock was like six or eight 25 millimeter bases. This this <laughs> is the space it took up, so it, it's a lot of space. And it was and and just around the rock there was single miniatures, single. I think it was a chaos warrior army. The army was good painted, but the unit fillers were really cheap and bad. Yeah, yeah. that's just that's just lazy. Yeah. But as an example for unit filler, you could do is like in uh, the God of Felix book, Dragon Slayer. Malachi Mackayson takes a horse and cart or pony or cart with all of his equipment in it and no one is allowed to see it and there's always a slave that tries to sneak into the cart and steal stuff <laughs> so you could model if you're making a huge blob of slayers model that uh, cart like that and have a, basically a, one slayer trying to sneak in and one slayer telling him off yeah 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 that was pretty cool like, yeah tell a story and it, with, yeah uh... exactly it will it would tell a story and uh, i'm gonna mention a friend of mine he have a really, really cool Skaven army. It has uh, a clan scry army. His unit fillers are contraptions, mechanical contraptions that represent the magic items of the heroes that he puts in the unit. So yeah, uh, in uh, the 7th edition, there was a uh, clan scryer magic item called the Doom Rocket. And this friend of mine, he models every single magic items on his models, except this Doom Rocket wasn't on this model per se. It was as unit filler. So in the unit, there is a small track thing. It looks like just a, a kind of weird machine. But the, this part is modular, so you can turn a cylinder on it, and voila, it's a big rocket. <laughs> I'm going to try to get some photos from him later and post on our Instagram. He basically made a big rocket on some tracks. That is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And it's like, what is this? Yeah, it's my Doom Rocket, see? And then he <laughs> popped it. That's really, really good. And he could remove the rocket itself. So when it fired it, he could take it away. And the unit awesome. filler, so, so, so the tracked machine thing is still there as a filler taking up four slots. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And he's planning more things for his clan, clan Molder army, I think. He really likes doing uh, unit fillers and he does great ones. As long as they make sense and fit the theme. That's yeah. really no nothing against them. No, it's nice. No, it's when they it's when they border on the on the lazy part of the scale that uh, that becomes a bit. Eh. And they do look a bit odd if you try to use a unit filler with ten models around it. Yeah, twenty at the minimum, unless you can do something cool to get away with it. If you use the fillers because of ranking problems, I know I might do some unit fillers for my squigs because squigs are really hard to rank up. I might yeah. make some unit fillers and make some single squigs stand behind and in front of these fillers and uh, have enough squigs for my loose squig formation. So I, I will paint enough squigs on separate bases, but I might use unit fillers just to move them around. I'll allow it. There will at least be the correct number on the filler bases. So a 40 millimeter base will have four squigs. Nice. Sounds really good. Might have start spinning around what kind of unifilter yeah. can I do for my dark elves? <laughs> some, uh, some sexy slaves. 
I was rather thinking like a pile of gold or a chest being dragged inside a unit or something, but we'll see. Don't forget, I'm going to make you a slave master. Yeah, that's true. That one uh, would go well with the Corsairs. Yeah. Or if we're ever playing with that, uh, there's a fan-made extension army book for 8th edition, which has slaves as a Dark Elf unit. That's pretty cool. But uh, I think that's enough about uh, unit fillers. Yeah, I think so. So this one, I think we can all just uh, tell our what we think about it. And that is for the first millennium. He's asking, do you prefer to pick a theme or piece of fluff to follow before choosing an army slash paint scheme? Or do you prefer to choose models you like aesthetically and design background as the force grows? I use uh, a mix of both. I mean, for this uh, this army, at least, I knew I wanted to get my hands on some cool uh, tutoring guards. And if I'm going to use tutoring guards and Knights of the White Wolf, then the theme of my army is pretty set. But I'll probably say I'll use uh, models as a basis and then theme my force depending on what models I like. I usually never do a list and then stay on the same path for very long when I start buying models. Models first, army list uh, second. How about you guys? Personally, I always go for a combination, but fluff and theme along with models is primary choice for me. But uh, fluff and theme weighs more. So this is why I'm doing a pure Night Goblin army as you might know. And yeah, uh, I always try to make my armies look like something they would field in a White Dwarf battle report. So I, I don't try to design a good army. I want it to feel representative, if that's enough to describing the visuals of the army I want to pick. Given that one of my armies slash projects is a Slayer Cult army from the Storm of Chaos book, I own all the models for it, and it basically builds itself that army. Because what can you take? You can take Slayers, you can take other kind of slayers, and you can take a third kind of slayers, and maybe a fourth kind of slayer. That's basically what you can do with that army. Yeah. And there's a combination of fluff and theme with some of the coolest models that have been made and some of the silliest models that have been made. <laughs> so that's almost a cop-out as an answer, because that's it's impossible to not build a theme. But when it comes to Dark Elves, it's basically looking at models I like and then trying to pair them with the theme I want to build. Yeah, that's uh, about the same as uh, I was trying to say that I did. Use the models I want and then find a theme, stick to that, make it cool. Mm -hmm. And now my current army is basically based in Nagranath with this, this on Albion, which they took a small enclave of Dark Shadows campaign. And then trying to make sense of what kind of units of all the gorgeous units would make sense for an, a small enclave of basically pirates to have that's corsairs maybe some spearmen and then dark riders and uh, then cut down on units like knights which are sons of nobles basically that makes sense basically work around with the theme you want because you can always make another force use the models from the force you've already made <laughs> this is what's going to happen with mm -hmm. my green skins eventually my night goblin force will grow into a fully green skin force so i can use orcs and goblins alongside my night goblins yeah it's inevitable that uh, an orc warboss will come along and just or you yeah. get here with me now yeah, for those who have mm -hmm. seen my warboss on our Instagram, Gris like Iron Fist will take over my Night Goblin tribe eventually. He will. One day, my Dark Elf Enclave will get a call from the Witch King with someone under his banner, and they will answer the call. That gives me a thematic possibility to build Malakith and some Blackguard and all of the other things that fits in a Witch King army rather than a noble in Albion army. Yeah, and I can get some uh, some Flagland, some Steam Tanks, stuff like that if I choose to join the, the Grand Empire army. So that's quite kind of good thing to have in mind when you theme your army. If you want to, you can go whole hog and just make this army as one project. But if you think about it, you could also make this army as part of a larger project in the end. 
and you never can ending army whoa, whoa, yeah whoa, whoa, and if you whoa, if you can theme the bases to be uh pretty much alike you can just use bits and pieces from every army if you want to do a, a coalition between like if i'm going to do some Talabic land troops and some Middenheim troops. If I do the bases in the same color, I can just mix and match, which is always fun. So the penultimate question is Dave Tag at K. If we were still in the golden years of fantasy, what faction from the lore would you like to see? Get an army book dash models from James Workshop. My answer is short. It is the theme year. Enough said. <laughs> they have models from Forge World. They are quite gorgeous, but they were only usable in uh, Storm of Magic. Yeah, I like those models. They were pretty cool. I don't know what I would like to see. Uh, maybe some uh, Cathayans, maybe. Mm-hmm. The Dragon Emperor of Cathay with his uh, cool dudes. That would be pretty, pretty. not a whole army book, but just uh, a model or two would be good enough for me. Like a, a Cathayan merchant and his bodyguard that they released for Mordheim. They got an ogre. Didn't they? Mm, yeah, yeah, they did. But I want more. I want like no. I don't. No, they didn't get an ogre. They made an ogre for Nippon and for Araby, but never a Cathayan. Oh, oh yeah, that, that, that's true. That's true. It's lovely how they spell it. It's like almost like Japan, Nihon, <laughs> full of ninjas, but yeah. not like Japan. OGW, you clever bastards! You had me fooled. I would have wanted. Well, there's more than one, but one that in particular would be like a proper Dogs of War army book. Well, even for 6th edition or later in the later editions that might have uh, just had some details on some of the free states or some of the pirate cities or like have Marienburg in it for one. Yeah, I'm I'm, going to say this in, I think it was 5th edition, might have been 4th. They did release an army book with lore and everything maps all all apart uh, i saw it when i was at bsk playing 30k and bought some lovely ogre man eaters for like no money at all and mm, i was looking nice. at this book and i was like i wonder how much this differs from the pdf version for sixth edition and the point costs was the thing that differed the rules were like pretty much the same yeah but that would have been a really really nice book yeah especially since they started to explore it a bit and then moved on to have some of the vampire stuff in it, uh, in the White Wars and stuff, and then in the Luster campaign, and then nothing. A true shame. Yeah. Well, there were some marine burgers in Pamrukan, weren't there? Oh, yeah, the land ship. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's still, that's a Fort World publication, and probably most No, no true for, army now. And uh, for this question, an army book that portrays three cities and dogs of war. And some pirates. Just like a, or a compendium with several lists in it. Don't have to be much, just some. Because there's a lot mentioned in the background and just hinted at. And it would be a way to make the world deeper and not just have the human kingdoms of the Empire and Britannia and nothing else mentioned. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, far too little on the other guys, on the other humans. More humans needed. From the same person. This is a question that uh, only you two will answer because I answered this with Nicholas and it would be pasted in right, right after this. So how many cats can Carl Franz eat? Well, yeah, me and Jens did talk through this and we have agreed on one answer. Yes, all of them. All of them. There are no cats left in the old world because he has eaten all of them. Yeah, I have never seen a cat model that is not a familiar. If you don't believe me, just uh, go and have a look for yourself. There's no cats yeah. anywhere. Cats the only felines that's left are the uh, saber tusks. Some cats might have gone to the uh, Elder Scrolls world and become Khajiit, but I don't know. There, mm-hmm. there are, simply are no cats. He ate them all. 
Is that how he got possessed by a god in the end? Must yeah, be so. Yeah, if you eat all the cats, I think it's reasonable that a that a, a god will come yeah. down and possess you. I mean, every cat have nine lives, so if he's a cat, he gains those nine lives. So yeah, eventually <laughs> he would he he would get the status of a god or strong enough to host a god within his body. Yeah, I I just ran the numbers and that math shakes out. Amazing. Well then. Well, there's one more I'm going to ask you before we leave this. And yeah. that is possibly an adaption of a question that was sent to more or less every 30k podcast a while ago. And that is, how many cats can Carl Franz eat? Carl Franz seems like a, a man with a plan. Pretty stubborn. He's going to see something through. So, I don't know, like, what's the scenario here? Would this like court guys feed him cats or does is it like a a buffet and he has to eat all of them at once well i think that's up to you well if it was like a buffet i think he would be able to eat five cats if it was like he's going to be served cats for as long as he can take it like on a daily basis and he can only eat cats like that that's his only that's his diet like his diet is cats for now now to save if he just had to do it for a bet he wouldn't do it if it was to save the empire he would eat cats until he died. That's my answer. Would he feed them to his pet griffin? <sighs> if like if it was a bet, sure. But if it was like a magical thing that he has to eat cats for the rest of his life, the empire will perish. Maybe like there's a big chaos incursion and then there's this witch who tells him, Yeah, I can stop it right now. But you gotta enter the sacred spell and you gotta eat cats for the rest of your life. Then he couldn't feed his pet griffin who would have to eat all the cats himself well it wouldn't be the craziest thing that happened in the old world <laughs> no definitely not all, all right. right that's good i think that's question settled yep once and for all enough said well if any of you listeners have any input to this please send it in or don't but please yeah. do it's up to you really can't really force you but it's nice to get the feedback you know if we could we would true so what else do we have left on the agenda Basically, just uh, mentioning that our next episode will be, we did mention that we were going to have a book club, and the next episode, we will have the book club. And that book is, which one, Jimmy? Grey Seer, a book about Thanquil and Bone Ripper. Ooh, I think I've read that one. I think I have it in my in my collection. Grey Seer is on uh, Black Library. Yes, it's available on ebook for eight ninety nine right. euro. And so are all the other books in the series. Like the best yes. one, Skavenslayer. Ooh, it's a great book. Yeah, and I will meet the fate of Bone Ripper number one. <laughs> uh, all the poor Bone Rippers. Yeah. All the all the really really poor bone rippers. They have such short lives. Yeah, yeah but they're useless. But uh, that's not all we're gonna have in the next episode. Although it might take up quite a bit of the episode, we're also gonna talk a bit uh, about uh, the game we had. Uh, well, me, Jimmy, and Krell had a few weeks back. Yeah, Currently it was a fun game. Yeah, it was. There's uh, why we really fancy grape shot these days. Yeah, and why and and why the spell. Uh, Vermintide is a, such a good spell. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And Death Frenzy. Ooh, lovely. We're also... You're going over to visit Nicholas next week. Yes, so I am. So we will also talk about what happened then in that episode. Yeah. And I will try to get a game in someday, sometime. You're welcome here. Or here. We don't live that far from each other. We'll never meet each other. Any of us. That's true. And I'm on paternity leave uh, in like uh, two weeks, so I'll be able to travel. You guys should come up here and play with me. We, we have want to come up there. We have a really nice 
snow table right now. Ooh. Hmm. Is that Tempting. just outside? <laughs> just the table outside. Yeah. Yeah, we need to organize something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm willing to travel uh, as far north as uh, as you live, Jimmy, and as far south as you, Chris. Excellent. It's gonna take like max two hours for you to come here. Tops two hours. Well, it's two and a half for me if I were to go by car. So that's it for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's for the best. Yeah. Let's see you all in the next episode. Bye bye. Stay square. Time have ended. And the realm of elves, dwarf and man shattered. But in our hearts, the old world liveth.